Um, just a few wee things uh, to, to flag up before we begin. Uh, we're going to try, this is all a big experiment, we know that. Um, and we're going to try a big experiment today, which is rather than having coffee at the end, we're going to have coffee about halfway through, maybe even a wee bit before that. But take the opportunity just to, to chat at your table, get to know them a wee bit, and, uh, and, and use that time just to connect with folk uh, over teas and coffees. And then once the service is over, you can just go. Get a week to your lunch, that's fine. So we'll, be, we'll probably be finishing, I don't know, maybe 12 or something like that, maybe a wee bit later. But we'll have teas and coffees halfway through, and um, you don't need to clear up, we're going to clear up at the end, so you can just leave that. Hopefully there'll be enough room at the tables for the kids to do their things. Kids, you've got your activity packs, you're being busy with them just now, which is great. I do want you to save one or two things to do during the boring talk about all talks to the grown-ups. So save, save have one or two things for you to, to do at that point, that would be great. Parents, it would be a real help when you're finished today, if you could put the pencils back into the pack, put the rubber band around them, that will save me doing that during the week. So just pack up what you've used today, that would be really helpful. And then one last thing, which is to say that last week in church, We've taken an offering for um, AIDS in Ukraine, and just to say that we raised uh, over a thousand pounds uh, in that offering, and that was and that was just with the open plate offering. I know a lot of us were given sort of electronically to, straight to the DEC. So thank you all for your, your generosity if you were able to support. Uh, that effort. Great. Okay, we're going to begin our worship. We're going to do a couple of songs together now. One of them you'll know, the other one you may not know, but it's fairly easy to pick up and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll get the tune pretty quickly. So let's open the eyes of my heart and then we're going to go straight into In Christ Alone. So, would you like to, to stand and join in with me? Let's worship God together. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lord, that in you we have a rock to stand on. In you we have a strength beyond our own. In you we have hope, even when at times things can seem hopeless. And we thank you that we have come to all of this through our knowledge of you, through Jesus Christ, brought into our lives through the Spirit of God. So thank you for this time. As we gather, as we uh, laugh together, as we listen, as we learn, as we worship, may you be honoured and may we be uh, enlivened and enlarged as we attend to your word and try to hear what it's saying to us and then to go out and put that word into practice in all the ordinary places of our daily life. Father, this is our prayer and we thank you that we can gather in peace this morning to pray it and to be together. And we join all our prayers together in the words that Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This morning by telling the story. We're going to hear the Bible story read in the second half after the coffee, but we're going to tell the story now, and I need five volunteers, five boys and girls to come and help me tell the story. Carol, your hand was out. Yes, I can come, I can come, that's great, I can come. Brilliant. Sarah, would you like to help? I can come too, darling. That's good, thanks, Andy. Sarah. Okay. And Louis is going to help. Thank you, Louis. We need one more. Yes. Ellie. Out you come. Brilliant, right. We're going to line you all up, okay? Let's step forward. You can come forward. We can take about three steps forward. Good. Lily, you come right to here. Come right to the end. Good. Now, you're, you guys are going to be the sound effects. Maybe Sam can help you out, okay? Um, you're going to be the sound effects. So, Carol's sound effect is her You need to hold that up so everybody can see it, right? So, when I tap down your shoulder, you're going to hold it down first of all. When I tap down your shoulder, you lift it up high. And everyone will go. Hooray! Only much louder. Hooray! Right, so Andy, here's yours. So when I tap you the shoulder, you hold that up and everyone goes. Hooray! Excellent. Okay, so now there's yours. You hold that up when I tap you the shoulder and it, it says.
There were the Israelites who were the good guys. That was the tribe that David and his brothers belonged to. And then there were the Philistines who were the baddies. Every year, the Philistines and the Israelites would go to war and they would camp out on the hillside preparing for battle. But this year, the Philistines had a secret weapon. A huge giant of a man called Goliath. Goliath was nine feet tall. He weighed twice as much as a normal person. And he had a face that was so ugly, he looked like a bulldog chewing a wasp. And every morning, when Goliath would go over to the Israel, Israelite camp, he would roar at them and he would say, Which one of you chickens is man enough to fight me? Pick your best man and send him over for a scrap. I'll chew him up and I'll spit him out and I'll eat the rest of you for breakfast. Tell you what, why don't we play a game of winner takes all? If I lose the fight and your man kills me, we will be your slaves. But if I win and I kill him, then every one of you will become our slaves. I dare you to fight me. I double dare you, you bunch of chickens. The same thing happened every day for a month. And the poor Israelites became more and more terrified of Goliath. Oh no! Meanwhile, back in Bethlehem, a young shepherd boy called David was out in the fields looking after his father's sheep. Three of David's brothers were in the Israelite army, so his dad asked him to take some food to them. So David left the sheep with another shepherd and went off to see them. When David arrived, he found his brothers and he gave them the food. But while they were talking, Goliath appeared across the valley. Come and let me throw your bones to the dogs. David got very angry because Goliath was making fun of the Israelites and their God and everyone else was too scared to fight them. How is the king going to reward the man who kills this big bully, he asked his brothers. The king's going to give him a huge reward, they said. And better still, he's also promised to make him part of the royal family by allowing him to marry his daughter. So what's stopping you, said David? Who does Goliath think he is? Doesn't he know that we serve God? If none of you brave soldiers want to fight him, then I'll do it. But his brothers and the rest of the Israelites laughed at him. Well done. Don't be stupid, David. You're only a wee lad. We're fighting men. We've been in lots of battles. None of us have a chance against Goliath. We hope, or sorry, what hope do you think you would have? Get away home and look after your sheep. But soon, King Saul, the Israelite king, got to hear that David wanted to fight Goliath and he invited him to his palace. Do you really want to do this, David, said Saul? You're only a shepherd and Goliath has been a warrior all his life. Don't worry, your majesty, said David. I may only be a shepherd, but when I'm out in the field, 
is often had to scare off lions and bears to protect the sheep. God has always looked after me. And he looked after me. Now if I go to fight Goliath, I am sure that he will help me win. Saul was pleased. He was still worried about David. So he made him try on a suit of armor for protection. But Saul was so tall and David small that the armor was much too big for him. David couldn't even walk when he was dressed in that let alone use a sword. Oh no! Don't worry about it, your majesty, said David. I'll just go as I am. If everything goes according to plan, I might not even need to get close to Goliath. So David returned once more to the battlefield, where the two armies were lined up facing each other. As he got close to the Israelite camp, he stopped by a stream and he picked up five smooth stones just right for using in his slingshot. He spent long hours practicing hitting targets while he was out in the field and he was very good at it. And he knew now that all of that practice would be put to the test. Everyone was waiting for him at the place where they were going to have the battle. And he stepped out. And as he did, Goliath came to meet him. And when he saw what the young boy David was, he let out a mighty laugh. <laughs> Is this the best you can do? A wee lad who's not even started shaving yet? I'll chop you up with my sword and I'll turn you into dog food, sonny. David stared hard at him and he said, You big fool. You're trusting in your strength and your armor and your big sword. When I'm trusting in God, I know I'm going to beat you. And then everyone will know that God is alive and the people of Israel love and serve him. With a roar, Goliath charged towards David, waving his sword like a madman. But David slipped on one of, one of the stones into his sling, and he let fly a brilliant shot that hit Goliath right in the middle of the head. The big giant stopped in his tracks with an amazed look on his face, and then he fell face first onto the ground with an almighty thud. He was as dead as a dog. David had killed them just like he killed the lions and the bears before. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran away. And the Israelites chased them all the way to the borders of the land. David, meanwhile, returned to King Saul in triumph. And from that day onwards, he was a hero with Israel, marrying the king's daughter and leading his armies in battle. And that was the start of a great career for David which ended up with him becoming king. And it was all possible because he was courageous and he dared to trust in God. Boys and girls, you did a great job. Let's give them all a big round of applause. Thank you for your help.
David comes to Saul and he says, Master, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. And as you're having your teas and coffees, as you're chatting to the folk there, I want you just to think about one big question, because I'm going to ask you in the second half. Why do you think King Saul was feeling hopeless? Why do you think King Saul was feeling hopeless? We'll have that, Ali, put that up on the screen, so that'll help you to remember. So chat away, but also have a wee think about that question too, as you're having your teas and coffees. Thank you. See you in about 15 minutes, we'll pick up the service again. Stuff like that, and this went on for about five minutes. 
And then somebody looked at me and, and they said, Paul, well, what's that on your wrist? <laughs> I hadn't even taken it off to do PE, which is why I couldn't find it in my pocket. I think sometimes the church can be a wee bit like that with God. We're so busy looking at all the practical things, all the problems that we might have, we forget that God is with us in it all. We think that we've nothing but our own resources to lean into, but that's wrong because we're not alone. Do you know what the most common promise in the whole of the Bible is? Do you know, Carl? Not sure. Hand it up before engaged brain. Okay. Ellie, do you think you know? What's the most common promise in the whole of the Bible? Four words. I will. Five words. Five words. I will be with you. Five words. That's the most common promise in the whole of Scripture. Eugene Peterson, who, uh, who wrote the, the, the message translation of the Bible, was a minister. Eugene used to say that very often in pastoral work, the only thing he really had to do when he was visiting people was to speak the word God into a situation where it hadn't been spoken or hadn't been thought about. He said that was the bulk of his work. So he would go and see people and maybe someone was ill, or maybe there was problems in marriage, or maybe there was a job that was uncertain. There were people whose features just weren't mapped out the way they wanted them to be. And he would listen carefully to what they had to say because these things are really important. But having listened, he would gently say to them, and where do you think God is in all of this? What do you think God might be saying to you in the midst of all of this? Is it something you think God wants you to learn from this? Bringing God into a situation where God hadn't really been thought about. We have a God who is on our side, we know that, through Christ, and who can give us resources of insight and courage and resilience that are far beyond our own natural means. But it takes faith to see that. Faith doesn't just see the problem, faith sees the God who is behind the problem and can help us, I don't mean behind the sense of causing it, but the God who is there able to help us deal with the problems that we face. And that is the first thing that David brings. He brings faith. The second thing he brings are his skills and his experience. No matter how much faith David had, he wouldn't have been much use if he'd never picked up a slingshot before, or if he couldn't hit a barn door from 20 paces. David had practiced. He'd run off wild beasts time and time again to protect the flock. He knew what he was good at. And he was so confident in it that when Saul offered him his armour, David said, no, that's no use to me. I can't even walk around in it. I don't need it. David knew what he brought into the situation, the particular gifts and skills that he had honed in his work out in the wilds as a shepherd. And I think it's really important that you and I realise that we're not called to be anything other than ourselves in God's service. So if you're an organiser, then go and organise if you're a carer, then go and care. If you've got good hands and a strong back, put them to good use. If you're a joker, make us laugh, because Lord knows we all need a bit of a laugh these days. 
We come to this thing called church as we are, with our own skills and experiences and personalities, and they are all needed. And that comes across really clearly in Paul's metaphor of the church as body. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are hands, some are feet, some are hearts, some are minds. We're all unique and different, but we all have our part to play in making the body work. And a service like this, I think, just demonstrates that again and again. The folk making the delicious empire biscuits and coffee cake, and the folk doing music, and the folk who give their time to set up and do tech, and the folk who prepared the worship for today. It takes everybody. And without all the parts, the body can't function nearly as well as it could do because we'll miss the skills and experience that only you can bring. And that brings me to the last thing that David contributed to the situation in bringing in hope. And that was his willingness to get involved. If David has faith in God, and he's a whiz kid with a slingshot, but he decides that there are a dozen other things that he'd rather be doing with his time, he's not really much help in the end. And the Apostle James has some words for us, and it's quite hard words. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Now life circumstances change and our ability to be involved in church work may wax and wane depending on what is going on in our lives. But if our faith is substance, we should always be thinking about how it impacts our daily life and how we can stay involved in the life and the work and the witness of our local congregation, even if we're not able to do so in the ways that we once did. We are all needed. Now, towards the end of the pandemic, probably more than ever. We are facing a few Goliaths in church life just now, and I have to say as your minister, I'm feeling that very keenly. Covid, weariness, apathy, a diminished volunteer base, huge cultural shifts that aren't always taking us in the right direction. It's pretty daunting. Facing giants always is. But if we can keep faith and have confidence in the skills and the experience that we bring and be willing to offer them in service to God through our local church, then sacred history tells us that even the fiercest of giants can be slain. Amen. Now boys and girls, you've been working really hard and we're going to have a, a wee minute or two of show and tell. So if there's anything that you've made that you would like to show us, then bring it out now. But most importantly, bring your catapults because they are needed. Bring your catapults. What have you done, Carl? Let's see. So Carl's done an amazing colouring in of David and Goliath. He's even put some decorations, some other decorations from Goliath. Shaving well done. Ellie, what about you? What have you done? You started to colour in. You see the girls have got these beautiful 
little sunflowers, and many of you will know what the sunflowers are about. It's a symbol of Ukraine, and we're remembering Ukraine in our colouring in today, and this is like a little colourful prayer for the people of Ukraine and all the difficulties they're having just now. Some beautiful work today. Anyone else want to show us anything? Yes! How'd you come? Marcus, you're showing us you've got a Lego transporter that's carrying missiles which are going to be fired at Goliath in a wee second. Okay, very good, good work. Yeah, Dylan, you've done some lovely colouring in. You've done your yellow, colour of the sunflower. Oh, what's this? Let me see. Turn around to me see. So you've done yours too. Do you want to show it to everyone? Turn around. Hold it up nice so we can see. Good girl. Well done. That's fantastic. Now, go and get your catapults. Leave your pictures down and go and get your catapults because you're going to need both hands, okay? You've got yours, okay? Leave your picture down, honey. Go and take it back to mom. That's a girl. Give it a bit of time. That's good. Right. I was thinking, who can we get to be Goliath? And I thought to myself, who's the tallest person in church today? And I think it might be David Cousins. David, up again. Now, David is about as far away from a scary, a scary giant as you can get, but he is a giant. So, David, up you come. Round of applause for David. Oh, he's, he's stomping like the line. Right. Okay, kids. He's not. Oh, look, oh. Oh, that's a bit scary. <laughs> right, are you ready? Are you going to fire your missiles at Goliath? Will we give them a countdown? You ready? Everybody got yours ready? Okay, three, two, one, roll! And if David were 40 years younger, he would fall down to the floor at this point. He might not get back up again. Are you going to... More missiles! Poor Goliath, I think quite sorry for him there. Very good. Marcus has got another one. Oh my goodness. Right. One more shot. Oh, oh my goodness, Andy, that was you. He took his eye out with that. Very good. Right, give Tina a round of applause. Give the boys and girls a round of applause. Yeah. Okay. Have a wee seat. Very good. Now, that's 12 o'clock. So I think we will, we're going to do another song, but maybe not do that just now. We'll, we'll finish off at 12. But it's been lovely to see you all here today, folks. Thank you for coming out. Uh, we have, we're running these services. It's usually the third Sunday of the month, so the next one will be uh, in April. Um, Sunday School is running first Sunday of the month uh, over in the church, but it would be lovely to see you at that. Tell your friends if you've enjoyed it, if you've had good fun today, it would be lovely to see this place even busier than it is today. Uh, although it's great to see so many of you here. But thank you for coming. Let's just take a wee minute to pray uh, as we leave. Father, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for the being together. Thank you for worship. Thank you for what we're learning. And we want to, to sum up what we've been thinking about this morning in a prayer. Caroline's going to come now and we're going to, to pray as we close. And we're picking up this theme of um, smooth stones picked up from the river that can help us to fight the giants that we face. God, there are giants that need fighting just now. Some in our own hearts and some out there in the world. And we want to take a moment to pray about those things with you. Weariness is a giant just now for many people. We're tired of having to think and plan differently, tired of having narrowed horizons, 
tired of feeling stuck. We need a smooth stone from the riverbed, Lord. A stone that's called rest. Sleep, yes, but more than that. Time to do something we love without guilt. Time to invest in whatever it is that brings us energy. Seeing people. Playing, learning. Doing something new or different. Help us find that stone God and use it well to slay the giant of weariness. Fear is a giant just now for many people. We're worried about what's happening now and might happen in the future. We feel like things are out of our control and we don't know what lies around the corner. We need a smooth stone from the riverbed, Lord, a stone that's called courage. The willingness to face our fears and not give in to them. The wisdom to know a genuine fear from a phantom one. Help us find that stone, Lord, and use it well to slay the giant of fear. Apathy is a giant now for many people. We can't be bothered. What's the point anyway? Why should we care? Why should we get involved or stay involved? We need a smooth stone from the riverbed, Lord, a stone that's called passion. A fire that sets a spark in our souls, gives us a glimpse of a better way and a better world, makes us want to know more and to be more and lifts us out of our selfishness and laziness. Help us find that stone, God, and use it well to slay the giant of apathy. Sadness is a giant now for many people. Our losses feel very keen, our burdens very heavy. Life's skies are grey and the sun on our faces feels like a distant memory. We need a smooth stone from the river, Lord. A stone that's called joy. The presence of someone or something that makes our hearts lift. A flash of beauty or wonder that helps us remember that how we're feeling isn't the last word. You have the last word. And it's always a word of blessing. Help us find that stone, God, and use it well to slay the giant of sadness. And war is a giant just now for all of us. The anger and shock at what's going on in Ukraine, the frustration at how our hands seem to be tied, the unknowing of how and when this is all going to end. We need a smooth stone from the river, Lord, a stone that's called defiance. Bless us with the resolve to resist what's going on in every way we can. Bless those giving their all in defence of their homeland. Bless those in Russia having the courage to protest against this carnage and bring down the arrogant who are making it happen. Help us find that stone god and use it well to slay the giant of war. Lord, hear these 
our prayers and every concern for others that we bring here today. And if we can be part of your answer to these prayers, so let it be, because we ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, folks, thank you so much for coming here. We'll see you next week back in church as usual. God bless, and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you.